You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up. He has given voice to their websites that used to only have 11,000 people, now have 11 million. He tweets and retweets. They're offensive, hateful, mean-spirited rhetoric. Now some of those folks, they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not America. Well, here we are at the second podcast of the Deplorables. My apologies for such a long wait. My personal life has been quite busy. In this podcast, we'll discuss the election results, Biden's first live post-election, Black Lives Matter's demands on Biden, and more. First off, I want to discuss the election results. When I went to bed on election night at about midnight on the West Coast, Trump had a clear, comfortable lead in most of the battleground states. When I woke the next morning, after the election, most of those leads vanished and Biden was leading. There are stories of election fraud, and President Trump is taking those states to court. If he wins, things could get interesting. If he loses, he says he will concede gracefully. We will see how it all plays out in the coming months. Biden by himself is a fairly moderate Democrat. He has the ability to reach across the aisle and work with Republicans. However, he made a critical error in making California Senator Kamala Harris his running mate. Not because she's female and mixed black Asian descent, rather because of her hard left stance on just about anything. That will hinder his ability to reach out to Republicans in a big way. And God forbid he's no longer able to continue his duties as president, that would put her in the White House as president. In the first debate, Biden was asked this question. Vice President Biden, final question for you. Will you urge your supporters to stay calm while the vote is counted? And will you pledge not to declare victory until the election is independently certified? Yes. And here's the deal. We count the ballots, as you pointed out. Some of these ballots in some states can't even be opened until Election Day. And if there's thousands of ballots, going to take time to do it. Now, four days following the election, despite no states finishing their vote counts or certifying election results, Biden claims victory and calls himself president-elect. He even has office of president-elect behind him or on the podium in front of him. So he's caught himself in a bold-faced lie right there. And now we're going to get on to Black Lives Matter. According to BLM co-founder Patrice Coulors, a Democrat victory would not have happened without the resounding support of black people. In short, black people won this election, she said, noting the group's efforts to vote and organize alongside black-led organizations around the nation. Black Lives Matter invested heavily in this election. Glores claimed that Biden and Harris, who both ran on platform to mention addressing systemic racism, owed it to the movement to act on their rhetoric and further the work of black liberation. We want something for our vote, she said. We want to be heard and our agenda to be prioritized. For all those media pundits who dismissed the idea that Biden's ideas were anything close to socialism, the Marxists at Black Lives Matter claim he owes them his victory. 
and want their agenda prioritized. And anyone who's read Black Lives Matter's agenda at its website knows the agenda reaches far beyond police reform. Want to know some of those demands? Candace Owen summed it up best. Give this a listen. So Black Lives Matter leader just released a list of 10 things white people should give to black people. And I have to say, I haven't been ambitious enough in my letters to Santa. My name is Candace Owens, and you are watching my vlog series, The Myth of the Coon. So a lot of people have been wondering, what does Black Lives Matter want? I mean, today it seems like all they've really accomplished is burning down black neighborhoods, pissing off police officers, and ruining future employment opportunities for black kids that ride on their behalf and get arrested. Fortunately, Chanel Helm, the co-founder of BLM in Louisville, Kentucky, lays it out clearly in a pointed article entitled, White People. Here are 10 requests from a Black Lives Matter leader. Personally, I haven't seen a list this colorful since Veruca Salt told Willy Wonka that she wanted a geese to lay gold eggs for Easter, but hey, I'm just here to report the facts. If you are wise, you listen to me. Number one on her list. Chanel would like white people who have no children to leave their homes to black or brown families. So like if you worked your entire life to be able to afford a home but forgot to procreate and you're thinking, hmm, I'm gonna leave my home to my brother or my sister. No, no, think again, whitey. Number two, she explains that if you inherit a home, so like if your mom died and she left you a house, she just immediately give it away to a black or brown family because you will be able to earn that somewhere else down the line in your white privileged life. Her words, not mine. Number three is for developers. She wants you guys to build homes and let black people live in them for free. I don't see any economical issues with that. Number four, if you can afford to downsize, like I don't know, maybe your kids are off to college or something, then she expects you to move out and let a black family move in, preferably a black family that comes from generational poverty. I like that one the most because she says preferably an impoverished black family, but like it doesn't have to be, so you could also move out of your house and give it to a rich black family. Number five, I'm gonna read verbatim, which is just white people. If any of the people you intend to leave your property to are racist assholes, change the will. Do it right now. Six, rebudget your monthly so you can donate to black funds for land purchasing. I mean, I don't know the rest of you, but every time I go to a white person's house and I see that they have HBO, I'm thinking, that's like $25.99 a month that could be going to me. Number seven is for white woman because this is your specialty. Nosy Jenny and meddling Kathy, get a racist fired. Get your boss fired because they racist too. Number eight, she just uses to back up number seven and she dedicates it to little D-I-C-K white men. She wants white women to also get them fired. Number nine, she wants these white girls to address these little D-I-C-K white men and if they need to, assault them. Number 10, everybody. I want today, I want tomorrow, I want to wear them like braids in my hair and I don't want to share them. Here's the thing, some people might watch this video and think that I'm speaking out against black people. Actually, that's not true and it couldn't be more the opposite. What I'm doing here is speaking up for black people, for the millions of us who do not think like this, who are not this ignorant, who are not this petulant, and who would never list something so low aiming as the list that this girl presented to the community. It is incumbent upon each and every one of us black people who are aiming for education and advancement in society by not dwelling on the past, but looking towards our futures to stand up and to say that this is absolutely and utterly reprehensible. Reprehensible not just because of its fantastical element, but because it truly paints a grotesque picture of the African-American community. It paints us like hobos and beggars who cannot accomplish anything on our own without sticking our hands out. It is an absolute shame that a woman like this is given a platform to speak, period. The facts are that 
every race since the beginning of humankind has experienced slavery, and only one of them is asking for reparations from people who didn't enslave them. Are there things that Caucasian people can help us rally for that will help close the gap on some systemic oppressions from the past? Absolutely. Asking them to give up their homes is not one of them. I will not tolerate this depiction of African Americans in the media, and every time I see something as mediocre as this, I will speak out against it. I'd like to wrap this up with a pro-fundraising tip. When asking people for money, maybe don't refer to them as meddling Cathy's and nosy Jenny's and little D-I-C-K white men. I gotta say, this is a brilliant plan. Everyone knows the best way to fight phantom racism is to engage in open racism yourself. And now we're on to San Fran Nan, a.k.a. Nancy Pelosi. She's again running as speaker. However, there are many Republicans that flipped seats even some in her own party are no longer comfortable with the way she projects the Democrat Party in the House. Her odds of being re-elected as Speaker are getting dimmer and dimmer by the day. Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy explained it best when he said, To become Speaker, you have to have a 218 votes on the floor. When she went up for that vote two years ago, there were 15 Democrats who voted against her. Ten of those Democrats will be coming back to Congress. If those 10 vote against her again, she will not be Speaker of the House because of the gains of the Republicans. As of the time I put this podcast together, the Senate had 50 Republicans elected. Only one seat remains for them to have to take majority. And if Biden does win, make his job harder. Two seats are up in Georgia. The percentage is so low they need to do a runoff election to see who wins. Incumbent Senator David Perdue had a slim lead in the election. He will probably and hopefully keep his seat in a runoff election on January 5th, given the GOP 51 seats it needs to keep the Senate majority. And now we're going to talk about Trump's court cases and the election results. The only case I can see absolutely going his direction would be in Pennsylvania. According to the U.S. Constitution, only state legislatures can make election laws and procedures. In Pennsylvania, the state Supreme Court took over that role unconstitutional. Democrats are rightfully terrified of the Pennsylvania legislature since both houses have GOP majorities. You know, you can also follow me on Twitter. It's at Dobson67 or at Parler at BKDobson67. I don't yet have a Facebook page for the podcast as of yet. You can also find my podcast on Anchor.fm and Spotify. The link on Anchor is HTTPS colon slash slash Anchor.fm slash Brian-Dobson5. On Spotify, just do a search for the deplorables in the podcast section. It should have an icon of the Founding Fathers. Now, on another note, I never did mention this in the first podcast because the first podcast was on the politics of racism, and I wanted to get right to the point. And the reason the name the deplorables came up is not so much because I was a Trump supporter as... Basically, when Hillary Clinton called the basket of the, made the basket of the deplorables comment, she was referring to anybody that didn't agree with her or her party, and that is basically where that came from. So, if you don't follow Hillary Clinton and you don't follow any of that stuff, you know, then you're a deplorable, and we wear that badge with a sense of pride. We're not; it's not a put down to us. It's a it's an honor, badge of honor. Um, also, I wanted to make the comment, you know, um, that 
Biden claimed that he's president-elect. Um, the thing about it is the whole thing that's going on with this election right now, um, nobody called him president-elect except for the mainstream media. So the mainstream media proclaimed him president-elect, not the states. Again, as I said earlier, not one state had certified the election results yet. And as of this writing, or as of this podcast, Georgia is about to undergo another recount and an audit of their election results. So it's not set in stone yet. Um, Do I think that Trump stands a chance of winning? It's slim. Okay, I'll give him that. And by no means am I a, a liberal. I'm t- not by any stretch of the imagination, okay? I'm just going by facts. And there's a couple of other things I want to touch up on. I don't know if I'm going to be in Twitter jail much lo- in in a bit because I posted this tweet to Jack Dorsey, the CEO and president of Twitter, and it reads as follows. Jack Dorsey, Jack. Jack, you are a communist bastard, suppressing free speech to only what you believe in. It's going to cost you big in ad revenues when so many that you have censored jump ship. I mean, I have never seen anybody so disrespectful to the President of the United States. Every time Trump puts in a tweet, he always has to have these stupid little blue things about the election results being, you know secured and and crap like that of course he's going to say that okay he's a liberal of course he's going to say it and another thing you know cindy mccain john mccain's widow is on biden's transition team okay and i have to sit there and think to myself i wonder what john mccain would think of this okay now john was a republican but he really didn't vote along party lines per se He was more of a maverick, okay, and for good reason, because he didn't follow the establishment. And the other thing is, too, he also ran against Obama Obama and Biden, okay, when he had Sarah Palin as his running mate. He lost to Obama and Biden. How in the hell would he feel about this? I don't know if he would support this. Granted, I know McCain and Trump didn't have a lovey-dovey relationship, hardly, but I honestly, I don't know how... John McCain would feel about his wife being on his then opponent's transition team. It just leaves a whole bunch of question marks in my head. And it also tells me that outside of him, he wasn't exactly a rhino. I wouldn't call him a rhino. Um, But, you know, Republicans generally don't side with Democrats in this case. So I have to wonder about her. It's just a little bit weird to me. And then you have to ask yourself, what if it had been flipped around? What if this all all this election crap was going in Trump's favor? Would we be seeing the same thing we're seeing now? I don't think so. I just I don't get these guys, you know. Well, I do and I don't. You know, Jack Dorsey is a liberal, big time, okay? Um, and it never ceases to amaze me how all these guys who make all this money support Democrats. And the Democrats are always about higher taxes, especially on the rich, okay? You would think they wouldn't go for that, but they do. You know, with all this nastiness going on, this Biden, this Trump, this whole, everything, you know, Republican versus Democrat, I'm going to play for you a clip. This one is from when Obama and McCain were running against each other. 
And there was this knight, um, Al Smith, I believe was the name of the guy. And he hosted a banquet in which uh, Obama and McCain trade jabs at each other. And I got to admit, it was pretty funny. And um, so here you go. Now, recently, one of John's uh, top advisors told the Daily News that if we keep talking about the economy, uh, McCain's going to lose. So tonight, I'd like to talk about the economy. <laughs> I, uh, I've dismissed my entire team of senior advisors. All of their positions will now be held by a man named Joe the Plumber. <laughs> After all, it began so long ago with a heralded arrival of a man known to Oprah Winfrey as the one. Being a friend and colleague of Barack, I just called him that one. He, he doesn't mind at all. In fact, he even has a pet name for me, George Bush. I can't shake that feeling that some people here are pulling for me. I'm delighted to see you here tonight, Hillary. <laughs> now, a copy of the Senator's comedy routine was left on the table this evening. And I have to confess, Your Eminence, I looked at it. <laughs> now, of course, it would be unfair and even a little unkind to put my opponent on the spot before he gets up here or to throw him off his game with unreasonably high expectations. <laughs> but I do need to warn you, ladies and gentlemen, you all are all out about to witness the funniest performance in, this, in the 63-year history of this event. Let's not add to the mounting pressure he must be feeling. Just prepare yourself for non-stop hilarity. I think he knows that anything short of that would mar the evening, insult our hosts, and perhaps even cost him several swing states. Senator Obama, the microphone is all yours. It, it is an honor to be here uh, with Al Smith. Uh, I obviously never knew your great-grandfather, but from everything that Senator McCain has told me, uh, the two of them had a great time together before Prohibition, so... Many of you know that I got my name, Barack, from my father. Uh, what you may not know is Barack is actually Swahili for that one. And I got my middle name from somebody who obviously didn't think I'd ever run for president. Here's another revelation. Uh, John McCain is onto something. There was a point in my life when I started palling around with a pretty ugly crowd. I've got to be honest. Uh, these guys were serious deadbeats. They were lowlifes. They were unrepentant. No good punks. That's right. I've been a member of the United States Senate. <laughs> Come to think of it, John, I swear I saw you at one of our meetings. Now, there's a reason I put that clip up. Okay, that was the last time that I can recall two candidates running for president where they could take jabs at each other and they'd both be laughing at it where it was all in good-natured fun. You don't see that anymore. And uh, it kind of brings me back to Ronald Reagan, one of my favorite presidents. This man could disarm you with his humor, even his staunchest opponents. 
as you will hear in this clip with his debate with Walter, Walter Mondale. You already are the oldest president in history, and some of your staff say you were tired after your most recent encounter with Mr. Mr. Uh, Mondale. Um, I recall yet that President Kennedy had to go for days on end with very little sleep during the Cuba Missile Crisis. Is there any doubt in your mind that you would be able to function in such circumstances? Not at all, Mr. Truett, and I, and I want you to know that also I will not make age an issue of this campaign. I am not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. <laughs> Further explaining on my definition of deplorable for the sake of this podcast, Democrat Joe Manchin said that this summer's rallying cry of progressives to defund the police made no sense to the typical voter. With a sense of exasperation, he proclaimed, defund my butt. At the request of Democratic U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a list of names of individuals who elected, served, fund, supported, and represented President Donald Trump, called the Trump Accountability Project, is being compiled in the name of holding them accountable for the unthinkable action of supporting Trump. She hopes to use this list to censor these individuals' social media accounts in the future. In the future, she hopes to use this gathered information to intimidate anyone from hiring a Trump supporter and to shame Republicans for utilizing their constitutional right. Once again, communism is rearing its ugly head within our own borders, as in the case throughout history. Communist governments and thinkers consistently employ two tactics when attempting to enforce their agenda. The first is speech censorship. Communist rulers seek to maintain an iron grasp on power for as long as they can. If they can control what is heard, seen, and read through the media, they can deceive their subjects into thinking they are seeking the best interests of the people when they are rude, which they don't. If you know your history, you will remember that Nazi Germany, Communist Russia, and Communist Cuba all did the exact same thing to intimidate their subjects and forcefully retain their power. Thankfully, this is not how free speech works in the United States. The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution allows individuals to speak freely without government interference or censoring what we say. Tonight, I read the website's homepage. Apparently, they're taking Biden at his word for unity in closing down the project. However, AOC is just dumb enough to start her own. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez continues to assault fellow Democrats for trying to pin the blame on her and other progressives for the election debacle. As the attacks on left-wing loons become sharper and more focused, AOC has resorted to name-calling and childish threats to take her 3 million Twitter followers and go home. She told the New York Times that if Democrats continue to be hostile to her and other progressives, she may quit politics altogether. Well, AOC, I got just the song for you. She loved you 
Okay, once again, you can follow me again on Twitter at bdobson67 or at parlor bkdobson67. I don't yet have a Facebook page for this podcast as of yet, and honestly, I don't know if I'm going to. You can also find my podcast on anchor.fm and Spotify. The link on anchor is anchor.fm slash brian-dobson5. On Spotify, just do a search for the deplorables in the podcast section. It should have an icon of the founding fathers. Until next time, this is your host, Brian Dobson. God bless you, and God bless America. Take care.